1: Hello everybody, I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to the Great America Show. We're delighted to have you with us. And there's a storm gathering over the Supreme Court and an administration trying its level best to play politics with the leak from the Supreme Court that sent shockwaves throughout the country. Now, Chief Justice Roberts has launched an investigation into who leaked the draft decision that Roberts acknowledged is authentic but not final, he says. Is the chief justice maneuvering to influence a different vote in which he sided with the liberal justices? And just how corrupt is the nation's capital? Why aren't we learning more about the four-year grand jury investigation of Hunter Biden? What's taking so long? And are those questions and the Supreme Court's leak of the Roe v. Wade decision, both efforts to shift momentum as we approach the midterm elections. We take that up and more with former Attorney General Matt Whitaker, Corruption and Justice in America. And first, we turn to the state of Texas and its Attorney General, Ken Paxton, who's joined with other state attorneys general with brief supporting reversal of Roe v. Wade. Well, first, uh, Mr. Attorney General, congratulations on everything you're doing and all of your success in court. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, your first, your reaction to this leak of what appears to be uh, the the way the court is
0: going to go if it hasn't indeed finalized it yet. Look, I'm shocked. I've I've literally never seen anything like this in my life. Uh, it's hard not to think, obviously, it was on purpose if it's a leak. Uh, I think it's going to change the nature of how the court has to operate. And I certainly hope they get to the bottom of this because it's interesting that the this would be the case that it gets leaked. None of the others have, have ever been leaked, and here we are. I think trying to put pressure on the the the, pit, the opinion before it's out, and put a you know public pressure on these justices to, to, to change their minds before the final version comes out. Well,
1: to uh, actually in support of what you're saying, Chief Justice Roberts, confirming that the Roe v. Wade leak uh, is is real, is authentic, as he put it. But says that it's not a final decision. Uh, your your reaction, and uh, it, it does. It, now it sounds like, with his statement, that it is attempted intimidation of the court.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's. I would have guessed that just from the fact that it's this opinion, and the fact that we're still probably close to two months out from getting that opinion. And what better way to put pressure pressure on the justices? They'll leak it to the media. Who's going to Pound away at this issue. It's 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 probably the the most important issue there is to the very very liberal left, and so they're going to be you know galvanized to to go put that pressure on the court. And if that was the direction of the court, what other way can you change it other than to leak the opinion and then put, try to put public pressure and media pressure on those justices? And now you get you know people like Bernie Sanders, you know, calling for changes uh, related to the court and and passing laws that affect this. So. You know, I think it was design play, and and I hope that, that we get to the bottom of it. We understand what happened.
1: It didn't take long for the leaders of both coasts uh, in, in the Democratic Party, the Speaker of the House, Pelosi from California, uh, and the Majority Leader, uh, Chuck Schumer from New York, uh, they pounced immediately and uh, launched into all of this uh, rhetoric about packing the court again, I, I mean, their hair was on fire from just the moment that that leak uh, was uh, was reported by Politico.
0: Well, and that's very concerning. That, that would be their first reaction. If the, if, the, if, the, if, the, if the shoe were on the other foot, and this were some more liberal court uh, with a more liberal opinion that was on a fundamental issue to our side, um, and that was leaked, they would be calling for some type of response from the court. And they would be criticizing whoever leaked it. But apparently, they don't care that the, the, the procedures that have been followed for, you know, what looks like hundreds of years were, we're actually in this case. They have no regard for the process. They only care about results, getting their results no matter how it is, no matter whether it's right or wrong. They want the results the way they want the results. You know, that's very, very much like some of the other countries that, that we fight and that we are fighting to not be like.
1: How serious is the is the leak in terms of possible punishment? Because Chief Justice Roberts did did order an investigation, uh, and he seemed genuinely upset.
0: I think that they, you know, anybody that wasn't a part of this should be genuinely upset because it definitely changes the internal workings of the court that have been, you know, a tradition uh, for for you know decades, if not hundreds of years. And now, this confidence and trust that they that they built is, is 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 going to be questioned by the other justices, really all the justices, because now they don't know really what's going on, and they don't know if the process is going to be honored. And certainly, if I'm the chief justice, I want to get to the bottom of this, and there has to be some type of consequences for whoever did this, whether it's you know another justice or whether it's you know as speculated a staff member.
1: And and Chief Justice Roberts is again. Uh, with his outrage and with this investigation, we also are learning that he did not want to go along with the majority uh, as uh, he was put there as a conservative. He is also the guy who said there are no Republican judges and no Democrat judges, no Obama judges, no Bush judges, is the way he put it. I, that That's put to the lie every day in federal district courts and uh, and higher courts across the land,
0: isn't it? Yeah, and it's and the reality is the the justices appointed by Obama or Clinton have been markedly consistent on being pretty liberal and uh, ignoring the Constitution, which is a judicial philosophy that I've I've never been able to stomach because it means we don't really have a Constitution we we have what's called a living and breathing document. It means whatever they say it means today, which is nothing to confine the government from doing whatever they want. On the other hand, it seems like you know many of the justices that that we've appointed. Uh, particularly this uh, Bush judge, don't necessarily stick with uh, those constitutional philosophies that have kept this country free.
1: Well, Justice Roberts, uh, siding with the liberal justices in this, he was once considered a constitutionalist, and an an originalist, uh, going with the text of the Constitution. I, I can't remember the last time he did so, can you?
0: No, the, the the bigger opinions have now been swayed. He's been swayed more with the liberals. Whether it's Obamacare, I know that he sided with Justice uh, Kennedy when they wrote. This was a long time ago when they wrote the U.S. v. Arizona case that basically uh, took away any power of the states to to protect themselves from illegal immigration when the federal government was basically cooperating with cartels. So it has been extremely disappointing. It it felt like when he was first appointed, he. He, he, he was more like what we expected. And over time, you know, maybe he's, he's showing who he really is, or maybe his, his, his positions have changed. Uh, you know, living in D.C. has an impact on people. And who, who knows what it is? I don't know that we'll ever know until somebody writes a book about it that really knows.
1: And this, this decision, do you believe if, as the Chief Justice says, it is not final, uh, that begins to look like a stratagem on his part, a rationalization, if you will, uh, for some flexibility, to use the Obama word. I, I, you read on what that means and what we should attach to a statement that it's not a final decision.
0: Well, I think it, it's a draft. And I think, you know, those guys negotiate back and forth on drafts and who's going to you know position on what side of a draft. And if you put this in, I'll move over here. I mean, those negotiations were probably still ongoing. What happened was this is such an important decision to the liberal left that they decided we can't take any chances. We're going to break the protocol, the rules, and we're going to put this out there hoping that by putting the pressure on, somebody will feel the pressure, uh, apparently not Roberts, but maybe one of the other five, to do a switch. Um, And, you know, there have been rumors that, that that has happened in the past, like with Obamacare. Everybody thought Roberts was going to rule with with the conservatives and, and he, he went the other way. So who knows? I, I don't know that we'll know right away. Uh, I think we, we may know, you know, after the fact, what actually happened.
1: Now this decision wasn't expected until next month. Do you think that is still the same? I, I would assume it is the same schedule.
0: Yeah. I mean, typically the Supreme court, you know, at the end of their term starts issuing their opinions in June and the, the ones that are most controversial tend to be issued later in June. So I would have expected this at, at, in the very last week of June. You know, you never know. The Supreme Court can do what they want and when they put those out, but that's what I would have expected um, just as, as a matter of sort of tradition.
1: And as we look at the political impact of this, what do you, is there an impact? First of all, let's start with the great state of Texas. Is there a, a palpable political impact in your state in, as we look out to the midterm elections where the Democrats are being devastated. I mean, let's be very candid about this. Uh, we have never seen poll numbers like this in my career uh, for the for the opposite party. This, this is this defies anything even in 2010, as I recall it. Your thoughts?
0: Oh, you know, there's there's no doubt that that's right. And I don't think the Democrats can turn this around at this point. The damage has been so dramatic from Afghanistan And the pictures of of it looking like Vietnam and the the travesty of that, the border problem that only gets worse every day because the Biden administration continues to empower the cartels to what's going on with the economy and this uh, runaway inflation that we haven't seen in 40 years since Jimmy Carter was in office. Obviously, his, his presidency was viewed as a failure, and this president is actually making Jimmy Carter look like a fairly decent president, and that's where the Democrats are right now it's hard to come back from that.
1: Hard to come back from it. And I I was talking with John McLaughlin, the uh, GOP strategist and one of the country's very best uh, pollsters, uh, talking about the way this this issue of abortion cuts right now in a divided America. And I was actually surprised. It's actually 50-50. There are no undecideds. It's (laughs) 50-50, pro-life, pro-choice. And that tells you uh, that this is uh, this is just going to, uh, I, di- I think, probably have people on either side just dig in more,
0: don't you? Yeah, although I do think it's appropriate for, and I've always thought this, that, that individual states, uh, that the Supreme Court, one of the arguments we, we made in the amicus brief with the other 23 states, uh, we made the argument, look, the Supreme Court has been doing this since 1972. They took over the regulation of abortion. And they've done a re- really poor job of it. We say it in the brief. You've done a really poor job. It changes based on what justices are in there. There's no certainty that the states let the states go back and make the decisions, whether it's Massachusetts or Texas. They can make their own decision. They'll make different decisions. And this this has been a country of, of experimentation by states. And, and people can then vote with their feet. And we're already seeing that, obviously, in Florida and Texas and Tennessee and other Republican states are are having a massive increase of people because people are they want freedom and they want economic opportunity and they're coming to republican states that offer that and so i say let the states decide if if massachusetts makes a different decision than texas i'm okay with that i know that the other side is not okay with that they don't want people having choice although they say they do they want to dictate to us through nine members of the supreme court what the law should be that's not how the constitution works that's not how our system of government should work
1: the Marxist left, the Democrat Party, uh, is now uh, the party of authoritarianism. There is no question about it. That impulse runs throughout this administration, and it's uh, it, it's throughout the party itself. I want to also turn to one other point, if I may, Mr. Attorney General, and that is what you also included in your brief, it was the role of science here. And science is working against these so-called pro-choice uh, side of this argument because now we know that life can be sustained from a very, very early stage and uh, I happen personally to believe that life begins at conception but for those who believe otherwise, the science is saying that it. we can see what's happening we know what's happening because of the advanced technology and medical uh, 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 the medical devices that are available to us now your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And there's no doubt. I, I agree with you. Life does begin at conception. I think that's a fact. But viability is 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 working in our favor as, as science and 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 progressions in in healthcare for for these these unborn babies gets better. Um, the, the the timeline for when they should be able to get away with killing a baby is clearly moving backwards. And when these babies become viable, which is as you said, sooner and sooner our argument based on science is becoming stronger and stronger. And, and I think that's, that's a good sign for people who believe in the pro-life movement. You
1: know, and my first reaction was when I heard what appeared to be uh, the news that the Supreme court had struck down Roe v. Wade. I thought this is a real opportunity for the nation uh, to, to reflect on what has been uh, uh, 50 years of, uh, in my opinion, uh, immorality, uh, and and evil, evil, uh, political and legal, uh, standards that have just created so much more pain uh, than it ever was, was supposed to salve, uh, it certainly didn't approach those levels. I, I, I just think it is a time for us, irrespective, to think about this, reflect prayerfully on what this nation should be, who we should be as Americans. And I think we can be much better than we've been. Uh, Your thoughts as we conclude here.
0: Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. It's been a travesty that that if you don't protect, you know, the people who can't protect themselves, the unborn, then you're no longer a good country. And um, I think the fact that we are moving back in a direction where we have the opportunity to protect the unborn is a good sign for America. It's a good sign for uh, the system that we have been, struggling in over the last 50 years to to turn it back to protecting life. And so just the fact that this decision is finally being rectified and given back to the states and giving giving us the opportunity in every state to go make the argument to protect life even in states that tend to be more liberal. We've we've seen where persistence and caring about what's right and wrong really do matter. It happened in this country with slavery and it's not like we ever we've ever gotten it perfect since then, but we have at least moved in the right direction. And that's what I'm hoping for the pro-life movement, that we'll start moving in the right direction. And each year we'll make progress towards saving lives.
1: Amen. I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to just compliment you and thank you for all that you are doing for this country and for your great state of Texas. Attorney General Ken Paxton. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Lou. Have a great day. Thanks, Ken
1: Paxton. And now with us is the former Attorney General, Matt Whitaker, Attorney General under President Trump, and Matt is now co-chair of the Center for Law and Justice at the America First Policy Institute, and board member of the America First Institute itself, and author of the book, Above the Law, and a Great American. Matt Whitaker, it is great to have you with us on the Great America Show.
2: Thanks for being here. Lou, I'm so proud to be with you, and I look forward to our discussion.
1: Well, we've got, as you know, a lot to take up. This is an extraordinary moment in American history. Uh, let's start with the disinformation board that President Biden uh, wishes to to create uh, a disinformation board. Which I, and I love the line that they used in the release uh, from the uh, from the White House a disinformation board to manage misinformation. I I don't think they have a very good sense of their own absurdity. Do
2: you? Uh, I don't think they understand the joke uh, that this is uh, on them because they take this, uh, unfortunately, way too seriously um, and don't realize and, and step right on it, quite frankly, Lou, the First Amendment. Um, and so they have, if you saw on uh, the Sunday shows, they walked this back so quickly. Um, you know, they, clearly this was going to be big government deciding what the truth was. And I was referring to it as a ministry of truth because it's exactly how they had set it up. Uh, And obviously, uh, you know, now they are limiting it to foreign actors and disinformation coming from Russia and China and all these other places that are, you know, are are threats uh, to the United States and our sovereignty. But at the same time, uh, this level of walk back, I have not seen in Washington, D.C. in a long time
1: i think that the, the reaction from even some members of the the democratic party uh were <laughs> outraged at this madness and what authority does president biden have to create such an agency
2: well i can't find it anywhere in dhs's uh you know powers or in their authorization uh to do something like this uh you know i i guess if i was being generous which i typically am not to this administration i would guess that it's in their intelligence, uh, uh, part, uh, you know, in their intelligence gathering and they're part of the being the part of the intelligence community that they could, um, you know, have some functionality that looks at other countries, you know, trying to, you know, sow discord within the United States, but, you know, the level with which, um, that they had planned to, I think before this all blew up in their face, but the level which they had planned to sit on top of, social media, and, uh, you know, Americans' free speech uh, was breathtaking, and I think it caused a lot of concern uh, amongst a lot of people on both sides of the aisle that that the DHS, uh, you know, could ever have that kind of power. Certainly, it had never been authorized.
1: And, you know, I suspected that, and, I, and I'm glad to hear you uh, with your knowledge and your acumen, uh discuss it because i really i i'm just stunned that a president of the united states now this this president is taking some considerable liberties with the term uh head of state uh in my opinion but to go so far as to be creating agencies with the stroke of a pen or perhaps not even the stroke of a pen just ordering it uh, and moving on title 42 uh eliminating that having a distribution system that he put together an entire network to move illegal immigrants in the dead of night into various cities and towns across the country and states and not inform governors or mayors or county supervisors for crying out loud about what he's doing, let alone the congressional delegations.
2: No, and this is the thing that I keep looking at as it relates to Title 42, is, uh, you know, everyone agrees the system's broken. Everyone agrees that the level with which illegals are coming in is unsustainable. You know, Jay Johnson, during the Trump administration, said that a thousand illegals per day was a crisis. You know, we are now at seven or eight thousand. And if Title 42 is removed, we'll be at uh, 18 to 20,000. It's it's um, it's staggering. And the system, you know, having run the immigration courts uh, at the Department of Justice, which they're part of, I saw firsthand how these bogus claims for asylum really uh, are troubling. You know, so few people show up for their hearing in the first place. So few are granted asylum under our laws because, as you can imagine, our laws are actually fairly stringent as to who gets in under a claim of asylum. And certainly these people that are suffering from economic uh, problems in Guatemala or other, elsewhere in the country aren't do not qualify under U.S. law for asylum. And so, you know, and then... And, you're, you know, you know this issue as well as I, if not better, Lou, you know that once somebody files for asylum, within six months, they're entitled to a green card. Uh, and they can work for, you know, really until their case is adjudicated, which is often years or, you know, now it's going to be decades with this amount uh, in the system.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, as I look at this, what's going on, I, I see a level of coordination, I think, uh, and that I just, I am just blown away that the national corporatist media, as biased as they are, and as complicit as they are with the, the left uh, in this country on the issue of illegal immigration and border security, that they don't even report on that correlation, uh, between, uh, immigration, border security, sex trafficking, human smuggling, uh, deadly drugs pouring across the border. Uh, it, it and then to be tied into corporate America for cheap labor, as well as the democratic party, the Marxist left in this country for voters. Uh, and it, it is all, all a web of deceit and pointed at one purpose, and that is to provide cheap labor, democratic votes, uh, and uh, to make certain that the cartels keep operating uh, with high uh, margins of profitability.
2: Would you disagree? I don't know there's it was all factual I think what's what's most frustrating on top of everything you just pointed out was that then you have Secretary Mayorkas go on national TV on Sunday and suggest that he had operational control of the border Um, you know look at the amount of effort and time and money being spent just by the state of Texas to try to do all they can to prevent people from illegally crossing the border and you know that they are not serious people when it comes to uh stemming the flow of of not only to your point, not only illegal aliens, but deadly fentanyl, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill cocaine and uh other, you know, illicit drugs. And the, you know, and the human trafficking toll is is really, I think, the hardest thing because, you know, you have children and women that are, you know, to- tell stories of being raped. And taken advantage of on this very perilous journey, um, you know, to try to get to the United States. And if we could just you know, have the political will, and we did in the Trump administration, we a lot of this had been solved. A lot of our policies, whether it was remain in Mexico, whether it was changing some of these uh, asylum adjudication claims, um, you know, taking care of them at the first uh, chance uh, when when they meet with an officer. Uh, to file their original claim and all these things were resolved and taken care of and we had smart well thought of policies in place and they just ripped it out by the roots and now you have complete chaos uh on our southern border
1: and and we had the support of the mexican government people don't i don't think typically realize what president trump accomplished with manuel lopez obrador the president of mexico in getting 26,000 troops up to the northern provinces to secure that border uh, from their side that's the first time that's ever happened Uh, and now of course those troops were pulled and uh, we are at the mercy of uh, really the 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 iron triangle uh, all of the central america and of course through Mexico, it's just simply a, a easy pass uh, and uh, thoroughfare to the northern border. It, it's just terrible what uh, what has happened under this administration.
2: Couldn't agree more with you, Lou.
1: I want to I want to turn to back to this uh, Ministry of Truth because I kept thinking as you watch Mayorkas responding, you know, full control of the border, all of that nonsense. There would have been a great moment for Nina Jankowicz. the the prospective head of that agency, to have said, you know, this is misinformation, this is disinformation, this is a disinformation campaign coming from my boss at the Department of Homeland Security, because that's exactly what it was. It was, we're being subjected, I truly believe that, to more disinformation from our own government than we are from foreign governments, including Russia and China.
2: Your thoughts? I completely agree. I mean, if you look at his testimony last week um, in front of the, uh, I think it was the House Judiciary Committee, you see um, how he is either unwilling, unable uh, to answer the questions, or is completely false in his answers, uh, and and omits key. Uh, pieces of what he should be talking about you know you think about the 42 terrorists uh people on the terrorist watch list that were encountered at our southern border um you know he really still hasn't explained it other than he knows where all 42 are uh, it is believed that all 42 are, by the way, in the United States of America, Lou, and that should concern yeah. every American because I think this unsecure southern border is a real security threat. Uh, not only what's happening and the destabilization of all those people coming into our country and coming into our major cities, but the fact of, of who is getting through uh, this porous border uh, should be a concern to all Americans. And, you know, I, I just I, I really I have a, a sense of foreboding as it relates to what's going to be the consequences of letting uh, this many people into our country. Even, you know, even if we're watching all 42 of them, I know the time, effort, and uh, expense with which that takes to follow uh, and make sure you have your, you know, a sense of what these potential terrorists are doing. And, and that's, you yeah, know, yeah, that's a disaster in the making. Yeah,
1: Fred, afraid you're right. Uh, it is. Uh, it's it's a terrible terrible thing that we have done to immigration, customs enforcement, homeland uh, security, uh, and border patrol. Customs, uh, they've just been moved to the side. Uh, a number of people talking about they're nothing more than a welcome wagon right now uh, for all of the illegal immigration. By the way, that number that I that I've heard, and I want to see what you think of this. They're talking about somewhere between seven and eight million illegal immigrants in the country, uh, with the with the demise of title 42, uh, in the, in the next year, that's after 2 million. And of those, uh, over the first year of the Biden administration, 1.6 million have been relocated in the United States. No questions yeah.
2: asked. Yeah. Those numbers are accurate and it's only getting worse, uh, with, with really no plan, uh, to do anything about it, uh, other than talk and, uh, provide, you know, nonsense, uh, which is what, you know, you've seen over the last, week from the Department of Homeland Security's leadership, you know, and that's the sad thing is the, you know, the women, women of the Border Patrol and ICE, they want to do their jobs. They don't want to be uh, uh, prevented from enforcing the border laws and the immigration laws. But, you know, their bosses in Washington, D.C., especially uh, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, have been unwilling to give them the go-ahead to do their job. And it's just, it's a shame And it's, you know, one of the many things we did right in the Trump administration and one of the key pieces that the Biden administration is getting completely wrong.
1: The other big story, uh, right now, again, not given I think sufficient attention by the national media, the FBI conducting potentially millions of searches, 3.6 million searches of Americans data last year. Now, that's the FBI at work once again, Matt. What is going on here and what is your analysis of just how serious this this is?
2: It's, it's serious, but it's not as serious as maybe it sounds on the headline. And I'll, I'll explain to you what I know. And, you know, this is obviously dated. I left the, the administration uh, of President Trump in 2019. And so I can only tell you what I know. But, you know, fundamentally, um, information is collected by the NSA. And, every, you know, if you want to learn more about that, there's even plenty uh, published on that subject. But, Long story short is they are collecting information. That information is supposed to be limited to foreign foreign nationals. But obviously, uh, foreign nationals communicate with other foreign nationals, but they also communicate with Americans. And so you end up with this haystack uh, with which you're trying to find a needle in. And uh, one of the ways you find a needle is to run a query um, uh, and do, do a search for certain terms or certain people or, 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 or the like. And... Um, so you end up just because your your haystack has Americans in it, you end up collect you know kind of doing a search that includes it returns Americans information um, at every step that is to be minimized that is to be uh, not used and and there there are very serious consequences and very serious laws uh, the the problem uh, that I see is just the sheer quantity when you're in the three million uh, you know returns from that database. That to me says you're, you know, you're searching for the wrong thing, and you're picking, you know, you're getting too many Americans um, in your in your data scrubs, and so I am, um, you know, I've had this explained to me uh, many times, and uh, it's still, I think there is, there are, there are, there's more discipline that needs to come to that process uh, that I just, unfortunately, I don't see right now the FBI doing. I, I hope that that they figure it out uh, i think that these tools uh are necessary and appropriate when used correctly but with that amount of return of u.s people's information being included in these searches i think it's very concerning and uh and you know obviously they haven't got it right yet
1: yeah they haven't got it right yet they didn't have it right when they renewed the uh, the the 702s yep. uh, i i really was begging uh congress not not to reauthorize that until they had some guidelines that made sense and until the congress has actual oversight over our national security agencies including the fbi's national security division uh, as well as uh, the, the 17 other agencies uh, that we have carrying out intelligence operations what do you think of that i just don't understand why we why the congress of the united states does not and i mean congress and the senate does not insist on its its oversight responsibilities having teeth Uh, they are basically bystanders now
2: yeah they are and and unfortunately if you know having you know knowing members of congress and interacted with them you know especially in my house judiciary testimony a couple years ago um you know i'm not sure a lot of them understand how these technologies work. I don't think they have the cur- curiosity to understand how these technologies work. And so they're not very good at their oversight role. I wish, you know, that people like John Ratcliffe mm-hmm. were still in the Congress that understood how this works, why they're necessary and, um, and appropriate. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I think when they reauthorized 702, I was at the department of justice at the time. I remember the push that we were making and the arguments we were making, I'm not sure based on this data, you know, that we, that just came out the, the over 3 million Americans data being included in these uh, searches. I just am not sure that they lived up to the promises that, that we made uh, under this reauthorization. So I, I hear what you're saying and I, it's, a, it's a very valid criticism.
1: And, and one wonders what it's going to take for us to reach that point where Congress can reassert itself. And I will, I will acknowledge that there are a number of people on in intelligence committees in both the Senate and the House uh, that I if I were running intelligence or uh, a part of the leadership I would be very uncomfortable sharing that information with those people i'm not <laughs> suggesting that there are a, a few uh, a few arguments on the other side of that uh, that uh,
2: well, I'm going to name one. I don't think Adam Schiff should be allowed anywhere near uh, intelligence. Uh, quite frankly, he has proved that he is not trustworthy, and will use it for political gain whenever he can. Right, All right.
1: and uh, and I would second your motion. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just he is something else, and then to see him show up in the in uh, right. in Ukraine, I, it's just disgusting. What the, what they do, the left does to support. Their ragged uh, bunch of uh, Marxist activists, and he is certainly amongst the, the foremost. Let me let me turn here to, if if I may, the the issue of Eric Garland, and I'm getting close to, to, to your old job as the Attorney General. Yep. Uh, what possibility is there that we're ever going to get a get justice for Donald Trump? President Trump has now, as a candidate as a president, uh, as a former president and private citizen has now is entered, he's now entered the seventh year of what is nothing more than a partisan persecution of both a candidate uh, and a president. And it's just uh, disgusting to me that no one has stood up, not in the Republican party, not a single attorney general has said, ladies and gentlemen, this is madness and it has to stop now. What, what are we waiting for, for for reason to prevail, decency to prevail here, Matt?
2: Well, <clears throat> issue number one is, you know, thank God that Donald Trump's a fighter uh, because, you know, a, a lesser man, uh, someone without his resources would have obviously been buried by this level of harassment uh, by not only the federal government, but the state. You know, the state of New York has been uh, almost uh, as bad in their constant you know, looking for anything uh, that they could possibly accuse him of. Um, you know, having sat in that seat, Lou, and, and, you know, you and I have talked about this before, um, you know, I, I obviously I <clears throat> was led to believe and, and had reason to believe that the best thing for our country was to get the Mueller report completed. Um, what I was not told is that they were planning on it to be 450 pages long and, and, and include... Uh, completely bogus uh, uh, obstruction of justice accusations uh, without the evidence to back it up. So, um, you know, that is obviously uh, I've been very outspoken. I wrote a whole book on this topic and, you know, kind of my conscience is clean in my role sitting in that chair. Uh, A lot of mistakes were made uh, by the president and his administration before I got there, including the appointment of special counsel and Robert Mueller by the deputy attorney general, who was the acting attorney general for purposes of the Russia investigation. But, you know, that die was cast by Jim Comey. Uh, let's be honest. It was, it's this you know, exactly what you're seeing playing out right now with this conspiracy between Clapper, Comey uh, and others in the intelligence community to take what everyone knew was, Political disinformation it was a DNC hit job and turn it into and create a criminal investigation. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I inherited it after the, you know, we were in 30,000 feet trying to get this plane on the ground, um, you know, and it's just, it was, it just points to how dishonest everyone involved in that Mueller investigation was and how they would say anything in hopes of trying to take down the president and create a roadmap. For impeachment. I mean, they impeached the guy twice. Uh, they continue to harass him uh, with criminal investigations. It's, it's it's outrageous. It's disgusting. It's every word you can possibly put on it. But at the same time, um, you know, this guy's a fighter and I don't see him doing anything other than being victorious at the end of the day.
1: And history is already on his side, uh, with the revelations uh, by, by the New York Times and the Washington Post, yeah. and yes, indeed, the, the Hunter Biden laptop is real, its contents are real, and they implicate the president of the United States and his entire family uh, as a criminal enterprise.
2: Right. And how many times did President Bush get hoodwinked by these types of games? Right. Uh, we, we we can't even count because, you know, this is the thing. Donald Trump fought back. He knew the truth and he, he tirelessly fought until the truth got out. And, you know, and this is the this is just the indomitable spirit that I know out of him. And, and I respect just, you know, the hell out of
1: Well, you and me and millions of Americans, uh, do and, uh, want justice for him and, uh, and some, some accounting from the democratic party, which ha- bears great responsibility in all of this, as does the Clinton campaign, uh, and the entire apparatus that's built up around them in Washington, DC, I. I I want to also ask you where is John Durham, as you and I have discussed previously, mm-hmm. has done a marvelous job of his invest with his investigation. Uh, will we see something from him before this election?
2: I, I don't know. You know, his whole charge was to um, investigate and get to the bottom of the origins of the Russian collusion hoax. And I think he's done an exceptional job of not only explaining what happened, but succinctly explaining what happened, so that everyone can see uh, how the dirty trick played by uh, Michael Sussman and the DNC and Fusion GPS and Hillary Clinton, uh, how that kind of ran its course uh, through you know through America, and and how really <clears throat> this is one of the most frustrating things for me, Lou, and um, you know they they the conflation between every four years, Russia tries to, you know, interfere with our election. Uh, you know, that happened in 2020, it happened in 2016, it happened in 2012 and, and 2008 and 2004, and I can go back probably to the 70s and demonstrate how, they've, how they tried to interfere with our election. But then to, to take this narrative uh, that the DNC, collect, uh, you know, created with Hillary Clinton and others uh, to marry that to this interference and to make it sound, um, you know, more, uh, certainly more nefarious and even criminal uh, as it relates to Donald Trump and his campaign is, is really, I think, uh, you know, the, one of the most outrageous uh, moments in American history. And, you know, if we had a fair media, uh, which we don't, and, you know, I know you know that, um, yeah. but if we had a fair media, this would be uh, dominating Uh, the news uh, every day, all day, because, but, you know, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, you know, all of the, the original, you know, mega media companies, um, you know, we're all complicit in trying to sell this and now it's blown up in their face and they're just telling us to move along. And I think that's, that's a shame because we haven't even heard yet exact everything that Durham has to say.
1: And, And we don't really even know we had William Bard uh, out uh, pushing his book and talking and saying uh, point blank. He knew that Joe Biden was lying. knew it at the time in the midst of that debate, he was lying about the laptop, his son, his businesses, the the level of the investigation uh, uh, against uh, Hunter Biden. And he decided not to intervene because of the election and which was a you know, for a smart man, that was a peculiar, a peculiar lapse of judgment and logic, because when he refused to intervene, he intervened. But in behalf of Joe Biden, your thoughts, you you sat in that same seat that he, he did, your thoughts about what this man, and I know you have high regard for him, what could possibly have seized him? Uh, because I have to ask, I, uh, you know, I feel like he's compromised in some way. I don't know what happened in that moment, but it it's, it feels awfully ugly to me.
2: Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, I really think, uh, the, the, the jury's going to be out, um, until we, you know, get all the facts. We're close, uh, getting closer, but I just don't think we have, we have that figured out yet.
1: I, I want to turn to Americans think whether it's the FBI which looks absolutely rancid here. Uh, without uh, it, looks like corruption per, <laughs> permeates the place. Uh, not just their leadership, but Americans believe that the intelligence community itself uh, is in league with the the radical Marxist Dems that uh, the left wing corporate media, the Justice Department. It it, it seems unending the political corruption in the agencies that we're most dependent upon for the security of the nation and for the enforcement of our laws and, and uh, just plain beacons of decency and law and order.
2: Yeah. You know, I have such respect, Lou, as you know, for the men and women of law enforcement, and I've always blamed the, the highest level leaders at the FBI, especially for uh, many of these challenges that we faced uh, in the Trump administration and continue to face. Um, I, I wish uh, that they could see what they look like to the American people. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, do you think it'll change? Because I can't see how it changes. Yeah, without, I do.
2: Without I do. Oversight. I think it's going to, it changes with new leadership. Uh, but yeah, I think it changes. It has to change.
1: Can we do it without uh, giving Congress greater, greater uh, oversight?
2: No, uh, you know, if Congress would do the, the right and proper oversight, maybe, Lou, but I just don't, I, I don't know. I think that whole oversight system is fairly broken right now and the, uh, you know, without some real teeth uh, by Congress and using all their powers, I, you know, it's going to be tough. But, you know, I think new leadership um, at the highest levels of some of the law enforcement agencies and intel community, I think could make a huge difference.
1: Perhaps there's one footnote to all of this, and we'll put it in perspective how difficult oversight is. A member of the oversight committee, uh, one of them was a guy by the name of Adam Schiff, uh, and that presents lots of problems, and it's a, if you will, an avatar for the problems that uh, complicate oversight uh, of these agencies by the US Congress. Matt, yeah. we appreciate it so much. Thanks so much. You're a great American, and we're delighted to have you, you back with us on The Great America Show. All the
2: Thank best. Thank you so much. They appreciate it, Lou.
1: Matt Whitaker. And joining us here tomorrow, we'll be talking with Dr. Robert Malone, who's been researching the role of Davos man in American politics, those who are trying to influence the one world order that the globalist elites are working so hard to create. Please be with us for that. Thanks for joining us today. See you tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.